Oh, good day. Thanks for strapping on the sweatband with me this morning. Ben Davis blowing out the cobwebs here in the studio for Patton Heels. They're back next week, but until then, you've got myself, we've got the hyphenator Matty in the studio, and Jack Guy Barrack for Fulham. Answering the phones. Why does he barrack for Fulham? Because that's his last name. 13 13 55. The text line 0467 736 736. I'm not going to say Happy New Year to you because it is the 15th of January. We're, half, we're halfway through January. When did that happen? Um, <clears throat> but it is the first time that you and I have had a chat this year. So actually, what do I say if I don't say Happy New Year? What do you say at this time of year? If it's the first time you've seen someone. Uh, 131355 The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line is open for you. Plenty to catch up on, but I do want to kick off today with your favourite sporting event over the summer. Here in Queensland, what was it? Big Bash? Brisbane International? Maybe the Magic Millions, or maybe the one we haven't even had yet. The Gabba Test. What a travesty, please. Australia Day for a Gabba test. Uh, but for me, it has been Big Bash. It has been the summer standout, hasn't it? The Heat, how good are they going? They are flying. Top of the ladder, locked in, hosting a final this Friday down the Gold Coast. We'll get into that as the week goes on. Nail biters galore for the Brisbane Heat. If they're not winning close, they're winning by big margins. Big hits, big wickets and big signings. Tall Paul. Doesn't get much bigger than that. He has been the buy of the tournament, hasn't he? Uh, and plenty are with me too. Are you? With Big Bash being the best sporting event of the summer in Queensland. The crowds are up. The, the TV ratings are up. You, you're listening more here on SENQ. The average crowd for the Heat this summer has been 25,700. So knocking on the door of 26. Not bad considering in Queensland, one, it starts earlier and we do have plenty to do up here in the Sunshine State on holidays as well. Why did you go to Big Bash? Why did you go watch the heat? Well, why did you watch it? Listen to it. Why is it your favourite sporting event of the summer? 131355, the Suncorp Home Resilience Line is there for you. Um, they've got it right again, haven't they, Cricket Australia? They'd lost their way with Big Bash for a bit too long, not the, having the test stars come back, but I reckon they have got it right. Maybe, though, tennis was your go. If it wasn't Big Bash, was it the Brisbane International? Rafa's return. All eyes were on Tennyson. The tennis world was watching Tennyson to see Rafa come back. Sadly, uh, it ended well, ended by an Aussie, which was fantastic, Jordan Thompson, but that uh, leg complaint has uh, seen Rafa fly back home and get sorted out. Hopefully, we will see him back here on Australian shores for next year's Oz Open. But the Brisbane International, nine Grand Slam champions, eight of the world's top 20 women, four of the world's top 10 men. Was it your favourite event of the summer? Rafa, Andy Murray, Osaka, Sabalenka, uh, Rabakina, who else was there? Holgaroon, Dimitrov, outstanding stuff. And record attendances too. On the night that Jordan Thompson beat Rafa, what was that, day six? 2,000. They beat their own record for 14,300. Went through the gates at Tennyson just on a Friday. And that's a 10-year record too, beaten. So why was it your favourite sporting event of the summer? For me, I guess when it comes down to picking your favourite event, it's about the stories too. We had Jordan Thompson beating Rafa. That was outstanding. An Aussie uh, coming through the ranks, battling away, and he's taken down a former Grand Slam champ. Or, or stories like Tall Paul, 
again, is that why Big Bash is your favourite? Because for me, I reckon the story and the event, they go hand in hand. It's your favourite thing because of. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. The, the biggest story of the summer ha- has been David Warner, hasn't it? And finding his test, replace, uh, test replacement. I- I'm warming to the idea of Steve Smith as opener, aren't you? Something that isn't really foreign to me. Um, you know, I've batted on numerous occasions where I've come in early doors and, you know, I batted at number three for quite a while there. And really the only reason I went down to number four was um, because I was captain. I wanted to give myself some, um, some more time to just refresh mentally after thinking so much in the field. Yeah, Stephen Smith speaking yesterday. The more I hear from him and those around him, the more and more I'm convinced it was the right call. Steve Smith, opening for Australia. Look, we'll all find out Wednesday, of course. You can hear it here from 8am Wednesday morning, Australia and the Windies in Adelaide. The first test of that series, Steve Smith and life after David Warner. Uh, For those around him, they say that Steve Smith was the right choice as well. Rock solid. Rock solid combination with Usman Khawaja. What? Yeah, I'll throw you some numbers as the show winds on. It was amazing when you look at the stats, Usman and Warner and Usman and Steve Smith and the, and the partnerships that they've had already in Test cricket. In fact, I, I spoke to Usman Kawaja exclusively before he jumped on the plane uh, heading down to Adelaide. I did that for seven years, but I've got the entire conversation with Uzi and I, which I'll play for you uh, in full just after seven o'clock today. Uh, Barrett Senderayson has spoken one-on-one with Steve Smith. We'll hear that before nine. And, of course, Michael Kaspovich, who's been calling the Big, Back a- Big Bash action. Uh, for uh, SEN, uh, we will be catching up with Casper just to get his thoughts, obviously, on the Test match and playing the Windies part, Big Bash as well. Now that we've got the finals locked in, the four teams who will be contesting the Big Bash finals locked and loaded, not the order, but the heat top of the order, they will be playing and hosting a final Friday uh, down at Carrara. It will be the Sixers, the Scorchers, their position on the ladder will be decided uh, in the coming games, and the Strikers have locked down that fourth spot, the fourth final that happened last night. Uh, Australian Open down at Melbourne Park. Brett Phillips will be along after 7 o'clock today. We've already seen an Aussie Chris O'Connell through. Outstanding stuff. Uh, the Queenslanders, Jason Kubler and Dane Sweeney, unfortunately bowed out in the first round. But Dane Sweeney, what a story he's, he is. I, I want to dig deeper into his background. We're talking about a kid from the Sunshine Coast who went five sets at the Australian Open, taking on someone who was 235 places above him in the rankings. And I'm talking about world number 22. Outstanding stuff. Dane Sweeney, where's he come from? What's his background? We know he's from the sunny coast. Brett Phillips will dig into that. Uh, The Joker, he had a set taken off him by an 18-year-old overnight, but he's through. He reckons the only person or the only thing that can stop him from winning an 11th Australian Open is himself. Well, that almost happened. Well, not almost, but still. Dropping a first set in round one. When was the last time the Joker did that? And what's with carrots in the crowd at the Australian Open? Yes, 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. The Suncorp Resilience open line is there for you. Uh, the Bullets, they're on a tear as well. How good is this yesterday? They had back-to-back games home, at home this week. They have now done something they have not done in four years, the Brisbane Bullets. And that's one four games straight. 
four straight. They're now in fourth place on the ladder. Their record, 11 and 11. So they are square for the season. Yesterday, they took down the Illawarra Hawks, 110 to 103. Uh, The Hawks were coming in flying as well because they were on four straight. Uh, but was stopped dead, shot down by the bullets. Nathan Sobey, he is the competition's leading point scorer. He's Brisbane's, obviously, leading point scorer. He had 22 by half time. By wow. half time. Yeah, wow, exactly. Uh, he, and that was after missing Wednesday night as well. So I guess the bullets are showing their resilience. They're fighting back. Uh, there was a stage there over Christmas where we'd almost run a line through them because of the up and down nature. But they're flying at the moment, four straight, and they're able to overcome anything that's thrown at them. And they had plenty thrown at them this week. Nathan Sobey missing with a foot injury on Wednesday night, still were able to get the job done. And then yesterday, it was chaos before kickoff. The, like, we've been throwing some challenges this week. Like This is our third game in eight days um, against three really good opponents and to come out that end has been outstanding and then you know Sobes misses the other night so there's a challenge there uh, boys get to, to the arena today and just look like they're, they're um, walking on death so we send them home and like it's a last second change and there we go Justin Schuller yeah so they had plenty going before them what did I say kick off tip off kick off tee off whatever it was for, for bullets yesterday uh, you know where I'm at but 110 to 103 over the Hawks Justin Schuller the coach will be our guest after 8 o'clock today they've got a tough run now they, they, they get a, a breather for the best part of a week uh, put the feet up before they've got to head to Perth take on the Wildcats that's Friday night there's a road trip for you oh but hang on straight after that they're jumping on a plane I wonder if it's the red eye. And then they've got to get back and play Cairns in Cairns Sunday. So, again, the challenges coming the bullets way, but they seem to be standing up. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line is there for you. Uh, Oscar from the Valley. Oscar, good. Oh, actually, I was about to say, I was about to say, I was about to say, Happy New Year. I can't do that, can I? Come on, it's the 15th of January. How do you greet someone? this far into the new year if you haven't seen them yet. That's what I did when I walked in the door today. I was seeing the hyphenator, Maddie. I was seeing Jack I Barrack for Fulham uh, the whole time, and, and Vanessa, who will be here very shortly. I hadn't seen them for 2024. So do you say happy new year? No, you can't. Uh, but, Oscar, on the text line, I must say the Brisbane International was a fantastic event, very well run. Oh, yeah, they are good. They are very good. Cameron Pearson, a great friend of the show, the tournament and the event director, does an outstanding job there at Tennyson. Uh, my only my only uh, gripe with the event was the borderline extortion when it came to ticket prices, especially for later in the day. So, Oscar, yeah, don't worry. Look, it's something I want to tap into this week, and I may even do it after 7 o'clock today. I mean, the ticket prices are one thing. Uh, I was hearing the, the tickets for three days down at Melbourne Park are $1,000 for, well, yeah, depending on what seat you're sitting in, for the Australian Open. And you go, hang on. How do you afford that? In fact, we had an interview on 7 News last night with a family who came in. That there was a family with uh, three kids, and, and tickets were $110 each. Then you've got to buy food on top of that. And you got, with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, with interest rates, with cost of living crisis, uh, things are tough. And I know sticking your hand in the pocket to, to go see the heat, to go to the Brisbane International, it's tough. And it's something I do want to drill into this week 
we may as well kick it off here. Cost of living, everything has a limit. Things you're cutting back on. Is sport one of them? And when I say sport, is it going to watch sport? Is it watching sport at home? Have you had to pull off some of the subscriptions? Or is it playing sport? Are you sitting at home now thinking, all right, we've got to pay off Christmas, going through the credit card, and, geez, we've got footy season about to come up, registration's about to kick off in February for most of the winter sports, netball, footy, soccer, whatever it may be, are you second-guessing? Are you thinking, geez, we mightn't be able to do it this year for the kids? I'm just going to put that pause there because this is what so many are facing at home right now and conversations going on around the kitchen table in the lounge rooms and coming into the next decade for us as an Olympic city and not having kids playing sport because families can't afford it. And and, and I was about to say, it's okay if you're in that circumstance because there's so many, so many. I mean, I know it's conversations we're having at our place. So it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just where the state of play is. And I reckon you're not on your Pat Malone if that's the case. Anyway, I've got a lot of people in the studio walking past the studio just nodding at this time at 17 minutes past six on a Monday morning. It's a very happy 24, Vanessa. I can't say happy new year, can I? <laughs> Hello. Good to see you, Good Vanessa. Morning. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, yes. Great to see you. Great to have you back in the studio. Great to be back. Well, yes. what, do you, what, what do you say? It's 15 days into the new year mm. and you haven't seen some of the first time. How do you greet them? Is it happy new year? I th- happy new year is still okay. You can. I reckon you can still say it through January. Yeah. Um, but it's more just When's like, the cutoff? Welcome back. Hmm. Maybe when school goes back. Maybe one more week. One more week. Yeah. A happy New Year. Yeah. All right. Happy New Year, Vanessa. <laughs> happy New Year. <laughs> um, well, we've had a very big news story overnight, actually, with our own Australian Queen. Mm. Now, Princess Mary, as she was, now Queen Mary, officially now in the title with the, um, you know, big ceremony for her husband, King Frederick, after his mum advocated, uh, abdicated, I should say, the throne. Um, So it's, I mean, it's a very big deal. There's been yeah. parties in Hobart where Mary was born and parties across Australia. This is the biggest thing that's ever happened in Hobart, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Plenty of Australian headed over, lots of Australian flags in the crowd. And, I mean, it is a very rare thing, isn't it, for an Australian... Rare and random as well. Exactly. Australian Australian flags in Denmark. That's right. And so I think a lot of people are feeling a real pride about it. And, and, you know, we certainly think of her as our Mary. And it it gives us a real connection to Denmark. And, you know, I think all the best to them. It's the first time in 900 years Mm. of the royal family in Denmark that a monarch has abdicated the throne. So a very rare occasion for the Queen to step down on her own, um, you know, of her own doing uh, without, you know, her death or or without being forced out. So a very big deal. I I don't know why I care or even know this, Mm. but the conspiracy theorists, right, are they saying that she's abdicated, she stood down to, to paper over, to get the whole... 
marriage on the rocks yeah, thing out of out of the spotlight was, to go, hey. It was interesting over. timing, wasn't it, that those rumours surfaced, there was plenty of conjecture and, yeah. oh, Mary hasn't been seen with Frederick in a little while and he's going to these things by himself. And then for the timing of her to do that just a few weeks later. Just it out But there. she hasn't really given her specific reasons and mm. she has had a few health issues with, um, I, th- I think it was back surgery she had recently and just... Aging, I suppose. She's well into her 80s. And so, yeah, look, I think that's just for us to speculate on. But um, just it out there, either man. way, they absolutely looked a very united couple overnight. So, yes, Brilliant. all the best to them. What else is happening in the world? Yeah. And uh, look, you've been talking about cost of living this morning. Yeah. And, you know, when you go to the supermarket, I don't know about you, but you it just seems like every trip you go, it gets more and more for the same kind of things you're buying. When, and when, when did cheese become a luxury item? Cheese. Ten, yep. ten bucks Absolutely. for a block of cheese. Are you like what? Yeah. Butter yeah. as well. Have you noticed $6.40 for your 500-gram block? Stop it. It, it really adds up. And uh, the latest Compare the Market analysis has, they looked at 29 items, found an average 40% price jump across those items. So things like a certain olive oil has doubled in price since 2021, um, paying up to $24 for an extra virgin olive oil. Four kilos of potatoes now around the $9 mark, whereas the $6 mark just two or three years ago. Even things like frozen veggies, 50% price rise as well since 2021. Baked beans are up, toilet cleaner. Um, so we're really feeling it across the board. I can imagine those listening in the Lockyer Valley right now are absolutely fuming because mm. I'm sure, what was, what was that for potatoes? Yeah, $9 a kilo. Please, I'm sure I'm sure yeah. those growing them, sticking them in the ground, aren't getting, aren't getting anywhere near yeah. that. Uh, all right, Ness, thank you. Appreciate, appreciate that. We've got to try and lift the mood a bit. Yes, I know. I know. I know. We will do that. We will do that. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Proud Mary going, right? There we go. Get a bit of, is it Tina Turner, Proud Mary? <laughs> yeah, 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 let's get a bit of that going. 21 minutes past six. It's a Monday morning here on SENQ, your new home of sport here in Queensland. Uh, the other big sport over the summer is tennis and the Australian Open kicked off yesterday on Sunday for the first time. And you know what? It's been 48 years since an Australian man won the Australian Open. An Aussie, 48 years. Sorry, that's in my lifetime. But could we be on the verge of it happening again? The Demon into the top 10 with a bullet and has been knocking off those in the top 10 along the way. He is in action tonight. Let's head to Melbourne Park right now. SEN's tennis expert Brett Phillips is on the line. It's been a hectic 24 hours. Brett, a very good morning to you. Are you looking forward to the Demon tonight? How could you not be? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ben, good morning. I keep thinking it's Tuesday, to be totally (laughs) honest. The Sunday start has definitely thrown me. And I'm just getting acclimatised. What, what an opening day. I mean, 87,000 people been through the precinct. Wow. It was absolutely heaving a chock-a-block. And, I mean, in saying that, uh, the site is so expanded now that you never feel like you're totally on top of each other. And we had some, uh, yeah, epic uh, results with the Aussies. Uh, one went our way, uh, three didn't. But, yeah, all eyes are going to be on Alex uh, tonight and... You know, he's got uh, an interesting draw, but great effort to get to 10 in the world. A lot of people doubted he could actually rise to that level. And, 
You know, it's been uh, incremental growth. He's got such a great attitude. We know that, you know, he's cut from the Hewitt sort of cloth in terms of his work ethic and his, you know, desire to compete, which all the Aussies, to be honest, all our men are doing a great job in that regard inside the top 100. But Alex has elevated him well above the big pack of Aussies who are around that sort of 40 to 80 mark at the moment in the rankings. And, yeah, look, he's got, you know, Milos Ranić tonight, Canadian, you know, made a Wimbledon final, former world number three, mm. had a lot of injuries. You stand behind Milos, he is a massive man, and his body has let him down, unfortunately. But if he serves big tonight, you know, he's a, he's a tough guy to break. So, but Demon also sort of likes playing these guys where he can anticipate, take the ball early, and then once you're in the ground battles, and you know, that's where Alex goes to work and, and makes it really tough. So I think, you know, Demonor should be okay. If he gets through, he'll play Matteo Alnaldi, the Italian, who beat um, Brisbane boy Adam Walton uh, yesterday in the first round. Walton certainly um, put up a, a pretty good fight. He'll be uh, rising towards the top 100. He's cut from sort of the John Millman-type cloth and the way he works. But Alnaldi is an absolute uh, future star of the game. So that would be tricky for Demonor in this round. So... We'll have to wait and see how it all pans. We can't help looking forward, but we're trying to stay focused on uh, the old uh, one match at a time. Uh, yeah, and it was a good rap from uh, the Joker on on the Demon saying he's the quickest player on tour. Like, There's no one that can get around the court yeah. like him. So as much as size, uh, speed could uh, be the uh, the weapon tonight. Hey, speaking of cut from the Leighton Hewitt cloth, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by Dane Sweeney. Again, a Queenslander. A 22-year-old from the sunny coast. What, what about him in his Australian Open debut, yeah. five sets against uh, someone who's ranked, what, the best part of 200 places higher than him? Yeah, I think a lot of people learned about Dane Sweeney yesterday, and that is the, the Aussie court now at the AO. John Kane, it's uh, raucous and rowdy. However you measure it, if we can give the Aussies 1%, 2% extra, um, you know, great. Uh, and look, he was right in that match. It just goes to show the margins in tennis. We talk about it all the time, Ben, are pretty small. And, you know, and Dane only uh, is 170 centimetres. But you go back four years ago, he was 800 in the world. He'd set up a GoFundMe page to... He was pretty desperate. He was earning nothing from the sport. He was going to uh, quit the game, uh, but he wanted to keep the dream alive. And he worked really hard the last two years. These guys are going to play on the back blocks of uh, places that you wouldn't even visit. Uh, they get no spectators along. And that's how your ranking comes down. So he cuts it to 400, then he cut it to inside 300. And you're in that qualifying range. So he gets through qualifying. And the guarantee yesterday, win or lose, he's guaranteed $120,000. That is massive for a guy like mm. Dane Sweeney. For the next six months, he doesn't have to stress about paying for flights and accommodation. And he might be able to bring some coaching support on the road with him. It's huge. Uh, so put up a great fight. We did think he was going to win that match. And Sarondolo's got one of the best forehands in men's tennis. But, yeah, great effort. By young Dane, we'll see a bit more of him. You know, Chris O'Connell won in five yesterday. Sydney boy on the verge of the top fifty, and gee, I felt for another Queenslander uh, very late last night. Ben Jason Kubler, that was a heartbreaker to be totally honest. Five hours out on court against Galan goes down Coop. So, yeah, trains out of KDV there on the Gold Coast. He's a ripper. Um, had a lot of injuries across the journey, so he could write a good book. Jason Kubler, that was that was a tough one to watch. Uh, the Joker, he said the only person that can stop him from winning an 11th straight, uh, 11th straight, 11th uh, Australian Open title is himself. And I, mm. I can't remember the last time he dropped a set in the opening round of, of, a, of a slam, let alone the Australian Open. Yeah, look, he's the man to chase, absolutely. And, um, 
you know, all these young guys are champing at the bit. They, they want to take him down. But he owns this court, Melbourne Park. He's so comfortable. It's his home away from home. No one knows better how to pace themselves through two weeks of Grand Slam tennis. He sort of likes these matches. It's almost like he orchestrates a couple of these type matches early on. So he plays a Croatian qualifier last night, Dino Primzic, who actually won the French Open boys singles last year. So he's a rising star. And you had a look at the frame on you last night. He's got those Carlos Alcaraz legs, that strong lower core. And he's ready. Um, he's not uh, just biding time and developing. He's ready to you know win big matches. So Djokovic was certainly pushed. Um, but you always know when he drops a tie break that he restores things pretty quickly, Novak, that he had full respect for his opponent. But he's the man to beat until all these guys can consistently match him in best of five sets. And whilst he's fit and healthy, he's enjoying these young backs you know, coming after him. That's driving him. Uh, to keep playing at such a good level, so it's it's. I love when the you know generations collide, and we've got that right now. Yeah, good stuff. We've we've got eleven Aussies in action today, day two. We've stepped through Diminor against Rainich, but we've got what for the first time in a in a, in a while uh, 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 two um, two matches which are all yep. Australian. Mm. Yeah, and, and I suppose the more of them inside the top 100, uh, there's more of a chance of this type of thing happening. But yeah, Lexi Popperin and Mark Coleman, so the winner will play Djokovic in the second round. I uh, hope they're not thinking about that because that'll, you know, have nightmares uh, <laughs> back up today. But uh, Popperin will start as the favourite there. And, you know, Alexi should be aiming for, you know, top 30, maybe even top 20 this year. He's got a big game. And then, yeah, Alexander Vukic and Jordan Thompson. I mean, Tom has had a great start, semi final at the Brisbane International, beat Nadal. And, uh, he's got a little quad issue, though, which he got in Adelaide, so we'll see how he comes up. He's super fit, and I think he probably gets the better of Vukic here. Rinky Hidjikata, Storm Hunter, Omar Jaseka, uh, Daria Seville, all in action today. So, yeah, hopefully a few Aussies in the W column. Yeah, exactly. We cannot wait for that. Of course, SEN's coverage of the Australian Open does continue tonight, 6 o'clock. You can hear it on SENQ, which, of course, features the demon. Alex Divinor, his first-round match v. Rainich. Uh, you can hear it live on the SEN app too. It's the best place to do it. Brett, absolutely killing it uh, too on SEN. And I've been seeing your face on the TV too, mate. You are doing a good job over the Can't summer. Hide. Just Can't long. hide, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> nah, living large. We love it. Thank you, mate. We'll chat to you during the week. Brett Phillips down at Melbourne Park, SCN's tennis expert. In fact, you just put tennis expert, can't you? He's an absolute ripper, BP. We've got a few with some handy reputations coming up this hour. Standing by Michael Kaspervich, Queensland's leading wicket taker uh, and, of course, SEN commentator. Big Bash has been on his menu, but we do have a test match Starting on Wednesday, Australia with the Indy uh, against the West Indies, Stephen Smith opening the batting. Uh, and speaking of which, we'll hear the exclusive interview I did with his opening batting partner, Usman Kawaja. As much as Steve Smith and Australia have uh, a lot to gamble with, well, what's Uzi feeling about this? Because opening and having an opening partnership is so crucial when it comes to the batting lineup. We'll be touching base inside the Bullets Armory as well. They are on a tear. Four game winning streak, something they haven't done in four years. They're 11-11 now for the season. 
Uh, they've got a tough road trip over to Perth and then they've got to get back uh, in a couple of days to play Cairns as well. But the Brisbane Bullets are flying, singing a bit like the Brisbane Heat are doing. We know they're locked in for a final at Carrara Heritage Bank Stadium Friday night. Who they play? Well, that will be determined over the next couple of days. Uh, one man who knows what they have been doing, been calling all the action for SENQ across the summer is on the line now. Michael Kaspervich. Kasper, very good morning. Morning to you. Happy New Year. Can I start by asking you, though, David Warner arriving at a ground in a chopper, yay or nay? <laughs> um, there's only one class, isn't there? There's not business or economy. It's um, <laughs> it's another whole level, absolutely. <laughs> um, look, you've got to do what you got to do. The only time we ever saw choppers um, around career grounds was the Channel 9 chopper just come out and try and dry the with the wet spots on wickets. So um I yeah, love They used to uh, do that, didn't they? That's right. Kerry Packer would get the chopper to come down and help dry. Don't worry about the super soaper or the super sopper. You'd just get the chopper in to try and dry out the pitch. <laughs> that was easy when he owned the, the network. Um but I love Sean Abbott's line. Um Sean Abbott came out and said that um he called he said, Oh it's all what Davy, um it's all Hollywood. Um, he'll be catching a lime scooter. It's <laughs> <laughs> St- Steve Smith even said, "No, no, I drove like all other humans." <laughs> so he didn't even put oh, David Warner in there. Hey, uh, Cass, before we get into the heat, um, Steve Smith opening the batting. I-, I spoke to your great mate Matty Hayden about this on the day that uh, it was announced, and uh, he said "joke" and a few other words around that. But he, you know, understood why they wanted to pick the top six batsmen in the country. But Stephen Smith, as opener for Australia, um, your thoughts? Oh, he's one of the. He's going to go down as one of the greatest batsmen Australia's ever produced. His record, his numbers are stunning. He's obviously getting a bit <clears throat> long on the tooth. And look, I'm going to sit back and actually look to enjoy what he does here. Um, obviously, what's a challenge? He seems to thrive. A um, bit of an overachiever. In that, when he's given that opportunity, and so opening the batting, I think it's going to be oh, it's going to be a good, great to watch. I reckon of him sort of getting in that position, dominating that as well. Well, they've got four tests to get it right before India next summer. So there's the two against the Windies, then they jump across the ditch and play New Zealand in a two-test series. But then after that, red ball cricket for Australia is non-existent until what we host India here next summer, and then we've got the Ashes following summer after that. So you'd want to hope Usman and Smith, the Kawaja-Smith combination, is still going for the Ashes in, what, in two years' time. Yeah, you've got to wonder about that too. I think with even with Usman, look, he's, well, I don't know, I, I don't know, I honestly don't know, but he's every chance of just saying, yeah, actually, I've had enough, I'm out. Thank you, and see you later. It's sort of the, the way that he could do it. So I don't think that... Your specialist openers in a Bancroft or certainly um, Manny Renshaw giving this opportunity to be part of the squad um, is going to be out of it. And that's just in the background. I just, and, and I, I don't know, but Usman is, is, it's possible, put it that way, isn't it? Well, before that, even that, the Ashes. Yeah, before the Ashes. And then with Matt Renshaw in the squad, maybe that's him to stand up. Uh, Matt Renshaw, that's a nice little segue into the heat. He won't be there for the finals, uh, along with uh, Colin Munro and Sam Billings. But, Casper, from what you've seen, will that affect the heat much coming into the finals, the the fact that they've got their two big internationals and no Matt Renshaw there? 
Well, they have been the leading run scorers. <laughs> um, so it is a, a it is a, a big hole, I suppose, in what they've done. But at the same time, it's it's a great opportunity, isn't it? Um, Nathan McSweeney is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, he's shown during the season uh, what he can do, sort of up the order, and even given the uh, the captain uh, position uh, that last game over in Perth, unfortunately, with that loss. Um, is that the loss you have to have going into finals? I don't know. But I think that's where, you know, I'm really looking forward to to, not to him, that opportunity. Um, but the other one too, and I don't think anyone sort of really thought about this, chuck Michael Nesser up the order. Well, he's he's exploded, hasn't he, when, he, when he's needed well, to? Well, exactly. Yeah. I know, exactly. Well, it came in pretty handy that last game at the Gabba, uh, he was, sensational, but I just wonder whether there's, oh, not so much as a pinch hitter, but just the way he was striking the ball and obviously just patience as well, just mm-hmm. to start to get that little that feel. Um, but of course, Jimmy Pearson has come back in and so, yeah, well, whilst it looks a little bit lighter, um, certainly without those overseas players there, um, I think our blokes will stand up easy. Well, to me, Casper, that that's been the beauty of the, the Heat that they have shared it around. Like it might be, and Tall Paul has done it twice as Player of the Match, but then Ness has been Player of the Match. They've had Colin Munro as Player of the Match. They're in their opening game against the the Stars. So it's while the bowling unit has been outstanding with with Bartlett and Tall Paul and and, and even Spencer chiming in, Ness chiming, in, they've all chimed in, haven't they? It's been a Rather than a team full of champions, they they seem to be a, a champion team. Oh, you hate you know, I hate using cliches, but that whole balance piece um, is absolutely it. Now you mentioned the three fast bowlers, Vanessa Bartlett and Johnson, but what about our spinners, um, the yes. spin twins in Matty Kuhneman and Mitchell Swepson? They're, they've done something else. They've been they've been so good coming on just after that first power play and coming on and really bottling it up. I think even just containing. Um, yeah, and I think that's what's well, that, that's the best part that that Heat's bowling lineup um, is uh, the strength. Um, setting pace up front, um, and as you said, um, Paul Walter coming in and sort yeah. of doing what he's done. He sort of was it two of the um, Duckworth Lewis matches, and he was one with the bat, one with the ball, yeah. um, without the middle, and made sure we got home. It, nothing seems to to phase him, and and you know he, he's such a ripping bloke. They reckon he just fits in for for a pommy. He's as Queensland as you get because he just fits <laughs> into this team. Um, I, I, he's twenty nine years of age. I know he looks sixty nine, but he just seems getting the job done, doesn't he, Tall Paul? He, he, he's an absolute ripper. What about getting it, Casper? What about getting it done at Carrara? Is that the unknown quantity here coming into the into the finals? Well, I, I know, I know that, um, and I'm speaking with Wade Second, the, the head coach. There was a real focus on turning the Gabba into their fortress, if you mm. like, and, and that's what's happened all season. Undefeated there, um, the one loss in ten games, um, and it was over in Perth. Uh, so they've managed to do that, create that, and I think the the crowd's been fantastic at the Gabba. I think oh, for you know reasons being that they needed more than six days to prepare the wicket for the Test match. Um, that they had do have to play that first qualifier down the down the Gold Coast. So yep, it's always it's a little bit different. Takes a little bit of time just adapting and adjusting. But I think their confidence in that side will will mean that they'll you know that won't be a problem. 
Well, and that's the thing. If they do win that match on Friday, then they automatically get the to host the final, which will be the day before the Gabba Test match against the Windy. So uh, we hope it's a double delight for the Heat uh, down at Carrara. Casper, uh, when it... When it comes to this stage when we don't know who we're playing, the Sixers or the Scorchers, is there anyone in particular you would like to hit? Considering the Scorchers, yeah, we did them in our backyard here, but then they also then returned the favour over in Perth. Well, yeah, I think it's one of those things, isn't it? Like on the day, anyone can win. You know, someone can have a day out with the bat or ball or even in the field. And I think that's the beauty of 2020 cricket. Um, Regardless, whoever... Look, I, oh, look, I think maybe the Sixers you mm. prefer if you're gonna if you're on your wish list um, would probably be the probably be the one. But she's a, they're playing pretty well too, uh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, Friday night it all happens down at Carrara. Um, we will be speaking to the curators at Heritage Bank Stadium as the week winds on to find out how they've been travelling. Of course, the wet is going to and has been playing uh, havoc with preparations, but they seem to be uh, in in, uh, in a good space when it comes to preparing a pitch, one that will be different, so we're promised, uh, than most other drop-in pitches around the country. That's right. Big Bash is back. You cannot miss it. The Heat's final. Uh, it will be Heritage Bank Stadium on Friday down the goal. Coast tickets available at Ticketek. And of course, Casper will be able to hear your dulcet tones calling it on Friday night. I am down there. It's um, heading down there for the. Uh, I'm going to get down there early and beat the traffic, of course. Yeah, that's a good shout. Geez, Friday heading down the M1 too. <laughs> maybe the tra- actually, can you? You can't get a train to Carrara, can you? What it would have to be Narang and maybe oh, some that. buses. Yes. Anyway, all right, mate. Thank you. Great chatting to you. We'll hear the call. Your dulcet tones, as I said, SENQ on a Friday night. The Heat and whoever it may be in the first qualifying final. Michael Kaspervich, uh, they're part of uh, SEN's commentary team. Uh, all right. Right, let's find out who else is hot in this city. Well, it's pretty easy to find out when you have a look at the scoreboard from yesterday. The Brisbane Bullets are on a tear. Four games on the trot, four wins on the trot. They have not done that in four years. Yesterday, the Illawarra Hawks were their latest victims, 110 to 103. Uh, it's a big call because not only were did they have some challenges leading into the game, the Brisbane Bullets, We'll find out about those in just a moment. But the Hawks were sitting in fourth and they were on a four-game winning streak. So they had it all against them. We'll find out how hard it was because on the line right now is their coach, Justin Schuller. Justin, uh, very good morning to you. Congratulations. Uh, you've got the team humming at the moment. Thanks for that morning as well. Uh, yeah, the boys are boys are definitely on track right now. And uh, You mentioned the challenges we've had, but we've found a way and that's the most pleasing thing. I do apologise for my voice. It's uh, three games in a week. It's been a big one, but happy where we sit. Well, that's good. Well, I can just check that box as another challenge, uh, trying to hear the <laughs> trying to hear the coach in the in the timeouts and the huddles as well. But talk us through before tip off. It was a chaotic couple of hours yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, like Josh Bannon and Casey Prather both turned up uh, worse for wear, and we made the decision to just send them home. Um, and try and find a way. And, you know, Wednesday night we we played that one without Sobe. And so we there's a resilience in this group and a belief that we just have a next man up mentality. And uh, Sam McDaniel was huge playing that role yesterday. We we had our two bigs on the floor for, for the first time and something that just we had to throw out there and find a way and just couldn't be happy with how the boys handled it. 
Justin, two-prong question, this one. One, will the boys be right? Who were, and they were crook yesterday, is that, is that right? Will they be, will they be right yeah, for like, yeah, Perth? Yeah, more fluid, gastroid type, yep. sort of set up so we didn't want that to spread through the group. Um, so, yeah, we fully expect them back to practice tomorrow. All right. Well, and this is the second part of that question. I mean, you just said and you paid homage to the team and the boys and resilience and stuff, but come on. As a coach, when you've got to one face that, and go, oh, these boys are no good. I've got to send them home. Now what do I do? Surely surely, <laughs> surely, you were sweating bullets yourself before the, before the yeah, match. Yeah, no, look, it, um, it's been an interesting season of having to find different ways to, to keep the thing moving forward. And, you know, we've had guys out with suspension. We've hardly had our team on the floor. I think it's only once. We've played with all 12 guys, so... You know, it's it's not unique to us, and you know, just the way we go about it as a group is about staying in the moment and controlling what we can. And you know, so as a coach, you've got to do what you preach, and, and we're able to do that pretty well. Oh, outstanding stuff! Well, it seems to be working. A record is eleven and eleven now. Um, Sobes, you you did it without him on Wednesday night, but he came back, and I reckon he must have been hurting because he had twenty two points by half time. He had he had almost a point to prove to make up for it, didn't he? He was outstanding, and just you know, like I think it was one of the most clean, um, complete games that he's had this year. Like took twelve shots. Uh, 25 points, it's great efficiency and um, just the way he was able to find his teammates as well in key moments, uh, it was definitely nice having him back out there. Yeah, outstanding stuff. Now, you shared it around too. Um, so obviously, 22 points by half time, but um, Smith, Harrison, even Mitch Norton with a, well, it was a club high 18 points for uh, for, for Brisbane. So you, 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 were, you were doing the business and everyone was contributing. No, and that's been the strength this week is, you know, we've had some moving parts, but we've had everyone contribute. And, yeah, we know if we can continue that trend, uh, we're going to be in good position as we head into our playoff race. All right, mate. Listen, I'm going to give that voice a rest, but just one more. You've got a fairly hectic <laughs> week coming up. What's it? Friday night you're playing in Perth. So you've got to head across the Nullarbor, and then you've got to jump back straight on a plane and, and then head to Cairns to head into the Snake Pit. That, that's in, a, what, a three-day turn or two-day turnaround? Yeah, no, it's going to be a full-on one, but we're looking forward to the challenge. We uh, we do get to stop into Brisbane for an hour on the way back, so um, there's a little home home stop there. But no, like this is part of the league, and you know what we want to do is embrace these challenges and whatever's thrown at us, find a way through it. So looking forward to going back to Perth. I think we're only one or two teams that's won over there this season, and then obviously Cairns, we've got another chance to in both these games, win our series against both teams. So that's all that's at the front of mind for us right now. Uh, outstanding stuff, mate. Well, listen, you get the uh, the strepsils, the fisherman's friend, whatever you need, the honey, the lemon, the thyme, <laughs> just to get that voice uh, rocking and rolling again. Justin Schiller from The Bullets, who are firing. We appreciate your time. Uh, the Bullets, you can watch, well, them and the rest of the NBL, the Hungry Jacks NBL Live on ESPN. And, of course, the Bullet Home Games, you can catch all of them here on SENQ. Uh, Drury and the Hoff will be calling those games. Um, they are on a tear, as I said, for the first time in four years, four straight for the Bullets, and they are in fourth spot.